1: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra Demolder,
0: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like feeling like Dolly Parton begging Jolene not to take her man away, <laughs> which is too long for me to say in the beginning, but I stole it from the letter so and I loved it. it. So. It's so worth
1: it. I mean, we've all sang that song angrily at a bar at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. For sure. When you and your ex co-own an organic farm together. Mm. Yeah, very specific. And being a potential sperm donor.
1: <laughs> this episode is all over the place. I, lo- I love That's it. That's great.
0: We're going, we're going to go places. It's gonna going to be fun. going there.
1: <laughs> and then we're going to go somewhere else.
0: <laughs> yes. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we're not uh, licensed mental health practitioners, counselors, Mm-mm. anything Mm-mm. of the sort. We are making don't this up as we go along, yep. and my therapist might have some concerns that I'm giving other people <laughs> advice. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so Sam and I don't know what we're doing. We're not trained in this. We're not professionals, so please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble, humble musings, so if we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, welcome to our birthday week episode. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. For those of you who don't know, um, Sam and I share a birthday, June 2nd, landed on a Wednesday this year. It's sort of a weird, awkward hump day birthday, but um, (laughs) that's okay. We're going to celebrate with our Just Break Up listeners. If you feel like celebrating us or giving us a birthday gift this year, we have what I'm calling like. An NPR listener drive <laughs> list of call to action birthday presents. It's a long title. I'm work. I'm workshopping it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we really didn't, we didn't do a lot of marketing prep on that. No, we no, like, no, no, no. I literally maybe we could like
1: <laughs> call it something short and cute. No. Yeah. It's NPR styled listener drive call to action birthday gifts for just break up. Let's make it perfect. <laughs> 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 That's it. <laughs>
0: That, anyway that's, what else would you need yes why would you want it to be any shorter or any more clear
1: yes any more clear yeah so we have five steps um that we would like you to take one two three or all of them or four of them
0: <laughs> yes this is what steps look like
1: <laughs> so we have some steps that we want we're asking you to take if you'd like to celebrate sam and i um for all the work we do to bring you just break up um okay so the first is, uh, thing we're asking for you to do is to share a specific episode with a specific person. We always ask you to shout us out because word of mouth is so important to us. It's literally one of the only way. I mean, forever was the only way we got listeners um, mm-hmm. and then we got a couple cool Spotify ads here and there, but still it is the number one way we re- we. Get new listeners and we need new listeners to survive, to be sustainable. So I'm asking you to ask a specific person in your life, a loved one, um, an ex, maybe, (laughs) just maybe, Mm -hmm. but like maybe don't, don't see this as like a permission, like a reason to text your ex out of the blue, but I meant like, you know, whatever. Um, a roommate, a friend, um, whatever, um, share a specific episode that you love with someone specific in your life. I think that that the specificity of it, the direct suggestion, I think I'm going to make up a statistic, but it'll make them 50 times more likely to and, you know, actually <laughs> listen.
0: <laughs> I like it. I mean, yes. that's true. I feel like whenever anyone is like, hey, you should listen to this podcast and you should listen to this specific episode. And yes, I'm like, I'm okay, way more well, likely. Yep. Yeah, because you go to the, if you go to the the website and it's like, oh, there's 150 episodes, then it's like overwhelming. But if your friend is like, hey, check out this one, then I'm much more likely to do it. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also also, intimidating um, because of our like uh, our episode styles, because we answer all different types of letters and our titles are always random, you know, that they don't really know where to start. So it's very helpful if you get if you point people in a specific direction to your favorite episode or whatnot.
0: Yes. And I know that y'all are already doing that because in the letters, we are always like, my friend recommended this episode yes. to me. So th- thank you so much for doing it already. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally.
0: Okay. Number two, th- what you can do is you can share an episode on your social media and tell your community why you love Just Break Up. So if you this go into so the Spotify important. app and you go to any episode, your favorite episode, a most recent episode, whatever it is, and just scroll down there's like three dots you can press and then it'll mm-hmm. scroll down and you can say share and then you can share it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. Um, and apparently you can like share like a, specific time, a
1: time stamp, I think that
0: that was beyond my understanding of how uh, technology <laughs> works. So if you can figure that out, great. I don't know how to do it, but this is also a great way for us to reach more people who are, who trust y'all and your tastes and, and the things that you love um, and really letting them know that you love our podcast and that you want them to enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about this step this morning, as I was prepping for the episode that it's actually like, I just want to acknowledge that it can be really vulnerable to, to sometimes people are like, yeah, listen to this show. It's called just break up. I love it. You know, but also, you know, I think what draws people to just break up and what keeps them here can be really vulnerable things about their personal life or or whatever. Um, so I just want to nod at that like at that moment of vulnerability and say that we really appreciate it and we and we encourage you to lean into that vulnerability of of telling people you know, why just breakup has been important to you if it has been, um, because we all need other people and we, we all want to be invited out of those dark corners, you know? Um, and, and we're invited out of those dark corners by sharing our own experiences, things like that. Mm So it's, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to make yourself uncomfortable by sharing, I don't know, deeply personal things that you don't want to share, but, um, I think it's so meaningful when Just Break Up listeners say, hey, I got out of an abusive relationship by listening to this podcast or this episode taught me about my attachment styles and I feel Mm. so empowered or, you know, I was feeling really lonely today. So I listened to Just Break Up and those, oh my God, those tweets make me so emotional. Um, (laughs) So thanks for that, like vulnerability, folks. Uh, We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ask number three is, and we say this every fucking episode, so it's I'm just going to do it really fast, is support us on Patreon. This is like the number one way to contribute to the sustainability of our podcast. Um, our Patreon literally keeps our lights on, mics on, hearts on. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's just $5 a month to get an extra bonus uh, weekly episode. There are other tiers that we talk about in the past episodes and we'll continue to talk about, but I won't spend time on it now. But like... If you, if you like us, buy us a latte once a month. That's what a $5 contribution is to me. And you get an w- extra weekly episode and the backlog of, mm, mm. Oh, what, a year and a half, two years of episodes? Okay. Um, so you get the backlog of episodes, too. So, yeah, that's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod.
0: That's great. And if you ever wondered what we look like when we record these episodes, you can support (laughs) us for $10 a month. We got a lot of tweets from people who were like, I did not expect you to look like that. And I was like, I don't know how to take that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number four, you can buy our merch. So we've got a bunch of merch on our website, which is really great. And we have a promo code for a certain percentage off for our birthday.
1: Oh, I forgot to tell you that, didn't I?
0: (laughs) You did. So I was, just, I was are, just trying to get you to say it.
1: Yep, we are running a sale. We're gonna run it from um we'll do the whole week of our birthday, so the thirty first to the sixth, I think, is the Sunday. And we're gonna mm-hmm. um you can use the code Gemini's um for fifteen percent fifteen percent off anything in our store. The fifteen percent off uh, uh symbolizes the fifteen year age difference between Sam and I. <laughs> You like that it's one? It's two. It's two
0: years, y'all. It's really not <laughs> fifteen.
1: <laughs> so you can find all our merchandise at dot That's um another way that you can support us. Wish us happy birthday um and contribute to the sustainability of the podcast. And finally, the most exciting one. I should have I should have like led with this one. Sam and I are gonna host a Instagram live Friday, um J- June. That's gonna be June fourth at 630 Eastern, 530 Central or 530 Central, 630 Eastern, the way that TV people say it. Um, no, they say, they
0: say it that way. You always say it the other way.
1: Yeah, okay. Um so <laughs> sure, Sam. <laughs> so they uh we're going to host an Instagram live on our Instagram just break up pod. Um we're going to host it uh answer some questions, hang out with y'all um Yeah, I love Instagram lives. They always go by so fast. They're super fun. It's nice to hear people hear their questions, their hellos, their well wishes. Um, And we tend to always like shoot the shit and answer questions at the same time, which I love. So Mm -hmm. and there might be a special guest at this Instagram live. I don't even
0: know who this person is.
1: Yes, you do. We just talked about (laughs) it before the show. (laughs) Think about it hard. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> anyway. So, uh Instagram live um this Friday, June 4th at 6:30 Central, 5:30 Eastern uh, on our Instagram at Just Breakup Pod.
0: 6:30 Eastern, 5:30 Central.
1: What did I say?
0: <laughs> the opposite.
1: Oh, well, they yes. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> we got it. We got it. Okay,
1: yep. So that's our check-in topic. If you wish to wish us happy birthday, send us um, a gift. You can do any or all of these um, action items. Please know that we are eternally grateful, um, and that they do have a huge impact on our like day-to-day personal life um, and the and the the success of our podcast. Uh, we really rely on these types of um, actions from our listeners, and we know that it requires you to go out of your way to do something for us and we just want to say thanks in advance um thanks for all the, the the shout outs and the love you've given us over the last almost 3 years um and we can't we can't wait to do this for until we're what 40 50
0: <laughs> who, who knows who knows
1: we'll see all right you want to get into some letters
0: let's do it all right. This first letter comes from Sarah Bear, who is writing from Yeehawville, Canada.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about Canada. I mean, I know like nominal things about Canada. Um, Love Canada. Just want to say that. But don't know what city this could be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't know it well enough to be like, oh, it's this one.
0: Yeah. And I don't really associate Canada with a lot of like Yeehaw culture. But
1: yeah. Who knows? What do we know?
0: Who knows? I've only been there like once. Hey, Sam and Sierra! Thanks so much for taking Great. the time. To, <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time to read about my woes. I'm a 29 year old woman with pretty minimal dating experience. Aside from having unrequited crushes and pining desperately for the hotties in high school, I didn't really start dating properly. Fuck <laughs> those
1: hotties! And- <laughs> yeah. Do you remember those hotties? Like they were never as cool as I thought they were. Like looking back Mm-mm. on them, I'm like, man, no. you're boring. You're boring now.
0: <laughs> Honestly, and I, like, I don't like even a know pedestal. where so many of them are. They were. Uh, it was really intense.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry.
0: I didn't really start dating properly and having sex until I was 26. But now that I have started, I feel like I'm flying off the rails. <laughs> so I've been dating this amazing guy, Derek, 28, for just over a year. Just before I met him, I had a summer fling that was straight out of a rom com, and unfortunately, it ended when the guy we can call him Jack had to move for work. We parted amicably and remained friends to this day. After a lot of tears and heartbreak playlists, hello, Taylor Swift, I dusted myself off and threw myself back into dating, hoping to have something fun and casual and not very serious. Then I met Derek. While I was very cautious about getting too close at first, I'm giddy to say that we just exchanged I love yous on our one-year anniversary. Mm. I've I've never dated anyone for this long, Mm -hmm. so I have no idea what the typical timeline is for this sort of thing, But we're both pretty introverted and not prone to talking about our feelings all that much. Throughout the first few months of our relationship, I admit I harbored feelings for Jack, but it wasn't until I said I love you to Derek that I really and truly felt like I'd closed the chapter for myself. Now to the issue, which might not actually be an issue and is more likely just my own throbbing insecurity. Derek's ex-girlfriend. They had dated for seven years and had lived apart for four and have a cat and a dog together who they co-parent. She's still in his life, and while the rational part of me sees that this is fine and normal and reasonable, there's a part of me that's cowering in fear about what might happen between them. I don't really know the full story of how or why they broke up, only that they drifted apart. Not only that, but Derek lets slip that she wants to get back together with him, and I have no idea how he feels about that because he always drops the subject and says he doesn't want to talk about his ex anymore. I was at a sister's wedding recently, and when it came time to take pictures, I was standing there right next to Derek, but I felt so weird about it. When they were planning the wedding, his entire family was probably imagining his ex there instead of me. I felt like an interloper and a fraud. Mm. I guess what I want to ask is this. How do I get over this fear that eventually he and his ex will drift back together again? They have so much history and shared experience, and every time I think about her, I feel like Dolly Parton begging Jolene not to steal her (laughs) man away. I trust Derek and he's never given me any reason to suspect that this will happen, but I can't seem to shut my own brain up about it. Worse than these insecurities. I know I'm being hypocritical too, because I still talk with Jack and there was definitely an overlap between me dating Derek and me being fully over Jack. How the hell do people do this? I've never been prone to jealousy or even insecurity, but suddenly I'm the chubby, awkward 18 year old loser who couldn't get a date. Even if she tried, which he never did any advice you have on how to navigate these feelings. Talk about my insecurities with Derek and getting over exes, both mine and my partner's, would be much appreciated. Love y'all.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Sarah Bear, for writing and for listening to Just Break Up and trusting us with this story. Um, I think that this is such a relatable thing, such a relatable experience. And it actually led me, you know, in my prep for this episode, it led me to discover like a new resource that I'm like excited to share and and to further explore with y'all. Um first I just want to say that like I think that this is a particularly challenging experience because it's it's cyclical and we don't always think about jealousy as a as a cycle. We th- I I think of it initially I think of jealousy as like a flare-up emotion, you know. Mm. I refer to it in other episodes as like fiery or, you know, like loud and uh, an aggressive emotion but it's it's also cyclical because we are either triggered to compare ourselves or triggered um to feel insecure and then our our self-esteem drops and we start to question our partners um motives our partner's love we start to question ourselves and then we seek we do this like pulling sort of like panicky anxious Um, energetic thing with our partner where we need them to affirm us. You know, we need them to, uh, to tell us that they do love us and they don't want anyone else. And they've never slept with anyone before. And they don't even have dreams Mm -hmm. about other people, you know, like, and then we get that, we might get that affirmation, but if we don't, then the cycle starts over. And even if we do get the affirmation, then who knows when we're going to be triggered or compare ourselves to others again. So it's like, you know, self, a self-serving Prophecy, I guess. Um, And if I stop and think about uh, jealousy in that way, then I can kind of see entry points for when I can disrupt those thought patterns. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel so organic. Instead, it feels like these steps that my body takes. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to interrupt it at step one or interrupt it at step four or whatever. Um, So the the resource that I wanted to share with y'all and with Sam um, is is the concept of something called retroactive jealousy. And this was coined and really explored by this Canadian author named Zachary Stockel, And he has uh, a website called retroactivejealousy.com and a bunch of books and like online workshops and stuff like that. And again, I just sort of explored it this morning. So I'm going to like maybe buy one of the books or check out the courses because I think I, I really like what he's saying so far. Um, But he breaks it down into retroactive jealousy. Uh, There's three different types. And we're talking about jealousy that is triggered from the past, whether it's an ex, past behavior, things like that. And so the three, I don't know what Sarah Bear would qualify as. Maybe we can talk about it. Maybe this can just be one of those resources that I share And then we move on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But so the three different types of retroactive jealousy is the most common would be modest retroactive jealousy, which is just like normal jealousy because nobody likes to think about their loved one like sleeping with their ex or being in love with their ex. Like nobody's like, that feels good (laughs) to think about. Um, Right because you know love is inconf- love is confusing and uh inciting and um can can really evoke a lot of weird emotions for us so like so we don't know we sometimes we don't even like looking back on our own histories as, uh, nevertheless our partners you know but mm-hmm. um Zachary says that this type of jealousy is the type of jealousy that kind of like fades over time because eventually you stop caring because you're actually with this person you know your life is mm-hmm. Being built around them, their past obviously doesn't affect them. And we might even, in our healing process to get over that type of modest retroactive jealousy, we might even become curious about our partner's past because it because we love and respect and honor their past because it brought them to now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which I relate to, but I also I also relate to the more unhealthy <laughs> manifestations of this. So the second one is value-based retroactive jealousy and this is when you start feeling misaligned or judgmental or insecure of your relationship because of the values that your partner enacted in the past right like Mm -hmm. um it you know it's it's so hard to have a relationship with someone that we see as having conflicting values it can be particularly challenging when those values are in the past and it's like you don't You feel like you don't understand the person that's in front of you. You know, uh, I I think about my one super toxic, messy relationship in which um, I just felt like so judgmental and confused about the behaviors that my partner had exhibited before we were together and when we were together, let's be honest, Um, but that (laughs) it it made me it. I had a really hard time being present. I felt really judgmental. Um, I felt like it it was like a weird manifestation of jealousy that I don't know, that I didn't know how to articulate, but reading about it makes so much sense. Just that like, um, well, Zachary Stockel writes that like, we've all made mistakes that misalign with our values and our, our exes have too. And we shouldn't necessarily be judged by them, but sometimes you know, like, we're just misaligned compatibility-wise or whatnot. Anyway, I thought that was, like, a really great articulation of that, of, of being like, well, man, you know, my ex was in a polyamorous relationship and I'm very monogamous—or, excuse me, my partner was in a polyamorous mm. relationship. I can't even imagine mm. being in that. And there's this weird tension and jealousy of, like, wait a minute, are we compatible or whatnot? Anyway, so then the third yeah, and final— yeah, the third and final retroactive jealousy, which I um, uh, think is super fascinating, is like a manifestation of retroactive jealousy, OCD. And he he makes sure to note that this is not this is not a replacement for an actual diagnosis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is. This is a manifestation of OCD, but is not meant to be like, oh my God, I'm so OCD, because like we tend to throw around that term, you right. know what I mean, when like a I don't know, a picture is not straight in the wall when it's like a real, actual lived disorder. Um yes. but yep. he writes um that this manifestation of jealousy can be the most extreme and painful and challenging challenging. And it looks like constantly Or obsessively making up mental movies in your head featuring your partner and suffering from really intrusive mental images or scenes of their past. Um, Or if you're obsessively looking at their Facebook to see them in the past, questioning the choices that they made in their past, questioning why they're with you now, a fixation on the past instead of the present choices that are being enacted in the relationship. Um, And he also noted that like many people deep down know that their partner's past is normal, but they they still can't stop this obsessive thought patterns, you know, and I actually relate mm-hmm. to that a lot. Like I feel really stable um, in my relationship. I don't feel like uh, I feel very tr- grounded in trust. Um, but when I'm feeling maybe a little insecure or like it's almost like an itch that i want to scratch i think back about like willow's past and and i feel jealous of the time that we were weren't together and i know mm-hmm. that's like irrational because like we weren't together i wasn't ready to be with her she wasn't ready to be with me i was off in other relationships she was doing that too but it doesn't sometimes i can't stop myself from looking back on that time and feeling insecure even though i know that she didn't have a life without me to hurt me (laughs) you know um
0: are you sure I think that was like all part of her master plan was like I'm really gonna fuck with Sierra by living my life
1: (laughs) yes yes um so anyway uh you can find out more about this at retroactivejealousy.com I know I am because I just uh again this resource is new to me as of this morning but I felt like I really loved those titles or at least the the language that it gave us to talk about this, because I know I'm not alone in worrying unnecessarily about my ex's past or I keep saying exes about my partner's past or my partner's ex's um, mm-hmm. and wanting it to make sense, wanting it to like align with my understanding of life. And uh, I don't know, I, I relate to all of these things. How, how do you take all of that or feel about those three things?
0: Um, I'm not, this is always a really interesting conversation for me because like, I do not yes, process the world in this way.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: It's just like, it's so, it's so funny for me to think that you would be jealous of the time that you like spent apart, I know. because I'm like, but it didn't, it didn't exist. Like it, there's nothing you could do. Like it just like, it does not register for me. So it's always super interesting for me to like hear this and gain some empathy for like the experience that some people are having of this. I will say that like the one about values, I think, resonated for sure. Yeah. Um, especially because I dated a lot of assholes for a while there. And then <laughs> it would be like, I'm sorry, you wanted to you're you watched Queerest Folk and the person you wanted to be was Brian Kinney. That's like that is the person you wanted to be. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um and then being like feeling that incompatibility with like this is who you were and now this is who you are and i don't know which one of you to trust right like yeah. i don't it's hard for me to like align the fact that you're with me with the fact that you like wanted to Excellent. be an asshole mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. right like so like I, I get you that.
1: articulated so well which one of you to trust that's yeah. such a good distinction
0: um but that guy was a dick so should have trusted that he always wanted to be Brian Kinney um so that's like yeah that's that's super interesting and I'm glad that that resource is available for folks to like put words to what they might be feeling because that's you know we talk about that all the time on the podcast that like having a way to name something often makes it easier for us to understand it or like put a box around it or whatever it is um so hopefully that's helpful for you Sarah Bear
1: yeah um it was helpful for me um and so, like, with that sort of um, resource in mind, Sarah Bear, I think that—so w- let's call it retroactive jealousy, right? Or this—and and I would say jealousy, too, because um, even though what's coming up is a lot of insecurity, um, the foundation of it is this comparison that I could possibly—how could I possibly hold up to this person that he was with for how many years— Um, How could I possibly um, how could this possibly be as real as this other relationship was? Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of comparison going on. And there's also similar to this um, retroactive jealousy. There's this there are these narratives that you are believing these movies that you're playing out in your mind. Um, and the the one that stood out to me the most is, is when you said you were at this wedding and you said you could just imagine his family, like, planning this wedding around this other person. That is such a false—that is not—I'm just going to say it. Like, that's not real. Maybe they were like, oh, X was going to be here and now she's not. Like, they— Everybody has their own like thought processes, (laughs) but I promise you that they were not building this wedding around the fact that they thought his ex was going to be there and not you. That is not the focus of their day. That's not the labor that they're putting out
0: there for you. No, I can tell you from wedding planning that I was not thinking (laughs) about who my sister was bringing to the wedding. (laughs) Like not Uh, in any way.
1: (laughs) Love yeah. you, Aaron. But like <laughs> I oh, trusted so you funny. to like
0: figure out that stuff on your own.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also want to say, along with the lines of this retroactive jealousy, that that lived experience that your partner has does not negate or lessen the experience that you're having now. And I here's where I admit something shameful. Uh Willow and I, you know, Just Break Up is coming up on a three-year anniversary, and so is Willow, Willow and I are coming up on an anniversary like a week later, three Mm -hmm. years. And, um, I, in my head, there's a number, like I want to beat her longest relationship. (laughs) Like that's such a fucking petty. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Like I cannot believe the things I share (laughs) to this fucking, but in my mind it's like, I will be, we will be more legitimate if we meet that milestone, if we get that milestone. Meanwhile, I have a rock on my finger. Yeah, <laughs> Sam's pointing to his ring. Meanwhile, I'm we're fucking married. <laughs> I own all of her shit by law. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like uh, that and that I think is a manifestation of this retroactive if not, mm-hmm. if you don't relate to the word jealousy, I would even say insecurity, this retroactive insecurity that is stealing this present joy from you because it is a constant cycle of comparison, self-esteem dropping, you know, like it, it's just such a harmful cycle that we're going through. An incredibly relatable one, um, no mm-hmm. doubt, but it, it's, this is taking the present present joy from you, obviously. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate that you are coming at this from like a very um, self-aware point of view. And you're like, I know that this is something that I need to work on, blah, 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 blah. Appreciate that. I also think that there's some relationship work that can happen in here too. And like the fact that, you know, he, your ex, or not your ex, your, your current partner. I right? We're just so used to people talking about their exes. Um, <laughs> your current partner, right? That Derek told you that, his ex wants to get back together with him. And then when you were like, how do you feel about that? He was like, I don't want to talk about it. That's that is concerning for me because I think, I think that you're right. That like jealousy is like an, you know, we need to understand our own jealousy because so much of it is irrational. And so much of it isn't actually anything to do with our pa- our partners and everything to do with us. But I do think that there is room here for you to, to talk more about your feelings and to not just, again, not sort of pathologize yourself or like diagnose yourself as being a person who's overreacting or a person who's jealous and instead maybe look at some of the things that you might not be getting emotionally that would actually make you feel mm. much better really quickly, right? If mm. if he was talking about his ex and said, she wants to get back together and you were like, how do you feel about that? And he said, I have no interest in that and I'm trying to figure out how to make sure that I'm keeping proper distance from her. I bet you would feel so much better after hearing that conversation, right? And like, yeah. if if that were the case that he was like, there's, no, there's nothing there, there's nothing there, and you were still feeling jealousy, okay, let's talk about that. But I think sometimes we get so focused on this like idea of independence, like we should never be dependent on our partners, we should always be able to figure out our shit on our own, right? Like, that is quintessential, the American way is like hyper individualism, but... I think that like in relationship you you got to have practice some dependence on people. And if your feelings of self-worth and your feelings of security in something that's deeply important to you are dependent on your partner meeting you where you're at, I don't think that's a problem. And right. I'm I get this we get this so much from letter writers who are like I'm being so insecure, I am, you know, I'm being the crazy jealous person, I and it's like Sure, and also sounds like your partner's not really showing up for you, so it makes sense that you're feeling insecure in a situation where there's mm-hmm. insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. And I want so I want to make space for the fact that yes, jealousy, um insecurity are individual problems and that relationships also exist to assure us. Like that's that's part of the beauty of being in a relationship. And you're putting a lot of eggs in this basket. So it makes sense that you would be like, is this basket safe? Is it going to carry all these eggs? And I would encourage you to talk to your partner about meeting you emotionally halfway in some of these instances or sharing how you're feeling about the fact that he won't talk to you about how he's feeling about his ex, right? And sharing all of the stuff about how you're like feeling insecure about it and all you really need is for him to really talk about it in a way that feels authentic to what he's experiencing because Mm -hmm. it's not just on you to fix this problem. This is this, there's a piece of dependency. There's a piece of like communication, emotional vulnerability that needs to happen here that it feels like isn't, isn't happening. And that's just exacerbating your own insecurities.
1: Wow. I'm so glad you shared that because I think, trying to recover from a life of codependency and being a anxiously attached person who views Mm -hmm. my attachment style as a problem, you know, that I need to solve. um, It is totally not my first instinct to be like, help, help me, help me fix, help me um, get through this problem. Instead, I think, how am I failing my partner right now by not being perfect or whatever? Right, so I'm so glad you shared that, um, and also I would all I would also add that well, I'm so ex- I'm so glad Sam shared this first because yes, I want you to talk to th- your partner, and because the him not engaging you on this is only making the problem worse, right? It, mm-hmm. He it's allowing your brain to create all of these fantasies in your head, like the one that his whole family doesn't want to be you know, imagined a (laughs) wedding without you and the fantasy that he is still in love with his ex. As of right now, that, that fear, that insecurity is in your head is, is one that you have created by him not telling you anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, so like you two have created it together by him not saying, no, you know, I'm, I don't want to be with my partner. Um, And you not pursuing it more directly, um, that's that's how that narrative exists. So we need to combat that narrative. We need to speak directly about it. Um, And also, I think like if 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 I was in your situation and I have been, um, (laughs) I also need to because I had never been with somebody who was securely attached before, who was just secure as a person and who spoke very bluntly, clearly and compassionately, you know. I needed to learn how to accept my partner's trustworthy truth. I needed mm. to learn how to, um, how to turn off that, that to allow that fear to be satiated by something very simple. Right? Of course, I don't want to be with my ex. I'm not with her, and I'm with you. <laughs> you know, like. And in my in my brain, my anxious brain, I'd be like, what are you talking about? All of these things point to you wanting to be with her. And then, yeah. you know, all of those things are things I made up in my head or like that I've fueled in my head, I should say. Um, so have the conversation, as Sam said. But I read something a little bit different in the he said he doesn't want to talk about his ex. Like um, I have had to learn what it's like to be with somebody who has no interest to like bring her past into the into the present um she, granted my wife is always very open about her past right she always right. answers all of the questions that i want that i need to ask her but um i had to get my anxious little heart had to get used to somebody who just meant what they said and were where they wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I want to point out is that your partner is with you, not, your, not his ex, right? Sure. And so yep. far, according to your actions, save maybe the avoidance to talk about this, I see him choosing you, you know?
0: hmm Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talked in your letter too about how you're both kind of introverted and don't really like talking about your feelings. And I think- getting more practiced at that will make you feel more secure in this relationship. Right. And I don't like no tea, no shade to your, your to Derek, right. He sounds like a really great guy and that you're just maybe not in the habit of talking about your feelings together. Yeah. And I think if you can build up that habit, build up that capacity, then it'll, it'll help you as a person who might be feeling insecure in the relationship, you know, know that with actions and words, people are committed to this and, I don't think it's irrational for you to want to talk more about this. I don't think it's irrational for you to ask to talk more about this in like a respectful feelings-based way. Right. Um, because, you know, actions do speak louder than words, but also words are really important too. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sarah Bear, we love you. Um, we know you have this. Um, you got this. We Thanks for listening.
0: <laughs> Thank you. We love you.
1: in the house
0: get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q u i n c e.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash just break up
1: all right our next letter comes from farm boy in love who's writing to us from the middle west Dear friends, thank you from the bottom of my heart for this fantastic podcast and all your dedication to helping others. Thank you also to all those who write in, giving the rest of us an opportunity to grow from your honest thoughts and feelings shared, and then getting to listen to the spot on advice. All have helped me navigate countless situations with friends, family, and myself. Tap notch, y'all, for real. Love that. So cute. Thank you. Well, you guys, I've gotten myself into a bit of a pickle. Background on me. I'm a straight dude in the last year of my 30s. I married my high school sweetheart at 25, and for reasons I won't elaborate on, uh, we amicably divorced a few years back after being together for about 20 years total. We're still good friends. Point being here that I've basically only ever been in one real relationship. After my divorce, I wasn't interested in dating at all for a couple years. I was really blossoming on a personal level and realizing many goals. I sort of stumbled into an awesome opportunity to purchase a beautiful piece of land uh, with a close friend, she, her, that included two little houses, one for each of us, and start an organic farm. We had met working on a different farm and shared the same dream of starting our own one day since we worked so well together and shared the same dream right down to every specific. There were zero romantic feelings between us, even though I did think she was a major babe. But she was in a relationship at that point. A few months after moving on to our new shared land, her relationship ended and we very suddenly fell head over heels in love with each other. It was like so good, you guys. I have never felt more deeply seen and connected to another human. It all felt like it was written in the stars. Background on her. She had a very traumatic childhood that she never sought professional help for or even really talked to her friends about and has only dated around a bit in her adult life without ever being in a long-term relationship. Which, coming from my married, my high school sweetheart background, I originally thought was really cool. She had a badass single life, traveled the world, world, been in service to others, and just experienced and learned a ton. I admired her life experience. A few months into our private love parade, the red flags started popping up. I I noted and duly ignored all of them. She struggles with (laughs) extreme—I know, very cute. I love that. She struggles with extreme fear of abandonment issues, leading to possessiveness and jealousy— At the same time, she didn't want to make our relationship, quote, official or call me her boyfriend to her friends and family, which also hurt my feelings so much since I pretty much wanted to shout in everyone's faces about how much I adored her. She sometimes became detached and cold. There was way, way more in the way of obstacles in the relationships, but I... Won't be able to explain it all here. Let's just say the dynamic got pretty complicated and messy. She is a 100% an avoided attachment style person, which I feel turned me into an anxiously attached person, which was new and unfamiliar territory for me. I had just spent a 20-year relationship feeling completely securely attached before this. 75% of the time we were together, it was magic. We were always able to talk about all of our issues um, openly and honestly together, support and celebrate each other, and just have a ton of fun. But 25% of it was damn hard, confusing, and so hurtful. I wanted to commit to the life we were building together and work on the hardships of a, as a team. I was all in. About a year into the relationship, she abruptly declared that she wanted to be my best friend always and not be my lover anymore. She just can't and doesn't want to commit. So we broke up. I won't burden you by describing the extended period of denial, sobbing on the floor, begging her for another chance, etc., on my part, or the confusing periods for many months afterwards of continuing to randomly not be able to keep our hands off each other. Long story short, that brings us to the present, wherein all the crazy emotions have settled, and my friend and I are in a great place. None of the interpersonal issues from our romantic relationship are present in our current friendship-slash-partnership. We work together every day. Farming is hard, y'all. And we have worked so damn hard side by side with great joy and gratitude alongside endless dirt, sweat, bugs, animal poop, tractor repairs, financial insecurity, stress, troubleshooting, building customers and communities have built a flourishing farm and business over the past couple of years and essentially share a blessed life in our little neighboring houses on our dreamland. There is no one else I would rather want to do, share this life with. Here's the issue. I'm still in love with her. "'Every morning when I see her, I'm filled with such pure joy "'and can't wait to spend a long day working alongside her. "'We simply light each other up. "'We've talked all about all of this, but she'll never want to "'or be capable of committing to me in a romantic way, "'and it'll just never work.' We're never together sexually anymore, and since it was becoming too hurtful for both of us to carry on that way, but we still do hold hands sometimes and hug each other often. We regularly share meals together. Oh, yeah, and we're fucking neighbors, and we co-own a property, <laughs> bank account, business, large machinery, and a dozen farm animals. Like I said, a big old dimply pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's not a bone in my body that wants to walk away from what we built together. I'm truly happy in my day to day and also in the big picture. I'm living my calling and I feel like I'm giving back to the world in exactly the meaningful way I'd hoped for. And I don't always mind if it's hard and confusing sometimes because I'm always up for a new challenge. I've been blessed in so many ways. And if it doesn't include getting my way romantically too, I know I can put my big boy pants on and deal. Here are my questions for you two wise and wonderful humans. One, do you have any advice on how to continue sharing a life with someone day in and day out, a life with all the trappings of a committed lifetime partnership and simultaneously take steps to intentionally fall out of love with that person so you can continue your work and greater shared purpose together? Any cool self-talk affirmations for my still beating heart when we accidentally brush up against each other while mucking out the pig stalls or when she looks straight through me with her dark and endless eyes while asking a casual question about restaurants, which restaurants are scheduled for the next delivery of microgreens? Two, I have zero interest in trying to meet someone else anytime soon and just don't feel that pull at all currently or physically have the time or energy for dating. I also don't think I want to be single for the rest of my life, though. In the future, how does my inexperienced little 40-something self approach the topic of my current situation with potential partners openly and honestly without immediately scaring them off? It's a lot for someone to walk into. My having a weird platonic life with a gorgeous best friend who shares all of my passions and tastes and, oh yeah, who I used to be madly in love with. Three, how do I prepare and steel myself to deal with the next wave of heartbreak when she inevitably meets someone new one day and falls in love and I have to watch it all unfold under before my eyes because again we're actually neighbors and business partners which again i don't want to change thank you sam and sierra love to you both farmer boy in love oh farmer boy in love you sound adorable
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly sierra and i are both really into you just fyi
1: (laughs) should i tell him what i said I said, before we started recording, I said, also the the person in Farmer Boy in Love sounds really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you that so that you know that you're like, you are worthy of like, fine, you know, like you said, like you're not interested in spending the rest of your life alone. Um, you sound like a sweet, sweet deal, steal, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. like a. You sound like a sweet package, even with the complicated neighbor business partner. so here's that's <laughs> Sam and I's perspective end of letter <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding <laughs> um anyway, so Sam, what would you do if you shared a business with your best friend who you were also madly in love with? Oof. it's me. I'm madly in love <laughs> with you. <laughs>
0: Is this the reason that we picked this letter so yeah, that you could yeah, confess yeah. this?
1: Yes, and also so that I could get Farm Boy to hit me up. Just kidding, I'm yeah. married.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> I think this is the first time we've had a crush on a listener in this way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're so silly. Okay, go ahead.
0: We are. Um, I guess I just want to say, um, that you're right. That this is such a pickle. Oh my god, that this it's is so like hard. such a a complicated challenging situation to be in um and i mean you spell it out and you're in all of the questions that you asked us of like there's no easy solution to any of this right the easiest thing would be to not be in love with this person but like we all know how well that works right Yep.
1: yep.
0: um and you know other solution keep doing this until it hurts less which you know is a challenge well, for sure. Yeah, I think <laughs> especially I, that, because that, like, that's you're... the
1: option, right? Like that's what right. we're gonna do is mm-hmm. keep doing this till it hurts less. But I do think that there are s- so one takes solace in like, all right, well, I just have to if if I don't want to leave this life I've built, I'm not gonna leave this life that I built. But I do have to make tiny, tiny micro choices that will help me cater the future to be a future that is less devastating how about that <laughs> yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and also there's other options here which are that you move out of this house and you don't do this business anymore yeah. right i, remember. And I
1: think I, go ahead go ahead
0: no i just want to say it i want to say it explicitly because so often we feel like there are things in our lives that are impossible that are actually possible, <laughs> right? I totally the idea, agree. The idea of, as a person who broke up with a person and then lived with them for two years because I couldn't imagine a, a life with them not in it, <laughs> I'll tell you that like it is possible to have a life with them not in it. and And the process of pretending like, all i have to do is just not care about this person anymore while i am also living with them and doing everything with them and totally tied up in their happiness and their feelings and our experiences of each other um was not super possible for me so <laughs> and it really took us making an intentional decision to move away from each other that actually let me meaningfully date other people yes let me meaningfully disengage from the amount of emotional labor i was putting into the relationship that i was not getting back and allowed me to not be around that person in a way that made me physically uncomfortable because it was like are we not are we are we touching are we not touching like the constant the constant amount of emotional work that went into like navigating a situation that was so unclear And so misaligned with what both of us wanted that, like, I just want to say that out loud because I think that we can talk about some of the things that you could do to, like, continue to put more space and distance between you and your partner in your business partner in this. But there's part of me that's like, I don't know how you do this in a way that's helpful for either of you if you don't put physical distance and emotional distance between you two.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm so glad you said that, Sam. I I couldn't have said it better myself that this is something that you that you, you built this dream life, right? But you can build an extension of this dream life, a different path, mm-hmm. you know? Uh-huh. And I know you don't want to, as you made it wildly clear <laughs> in your letter. Um, but I, I, I think my biggest piece of advice is an extension of this, which is, I want you to see your life as a life full of possibility, as a life that is not limited to Mm. either being in love with your business partner your whole life and not having a romantic relationship and putting your big boy pants on and dealing with it. No, that is not the life you're living. You are living a life of abundant opportunity. And even Mm -hmm. when we feel like we can't get out of a situation um, because of, I don't know tax documents and, you know, yeah. shared bank <laughs> accounts and things like that. You can get out of that. You know, you can, if not by separating the business, then by tiny, small choice, micro choices to separate your heart from this little things I'm going to say right now. She's hot. I know. Let's <laughs> let's stop calling her hot.
0: Mm. I, you know,
1: don't get me wrong. I tell Sam that he's like gorgeous all the time. Um, but Sam and I don't have a sexual history. Like I don't, um, you're going to, I want, what I want you to also think about is not only is your life a life full of possibility, but your life is also going to make space. Your, your life and your mind is going to make space for the life that you want, which means to say, I get it. She's hot, but stop categorizing her like that in your brain. You know, she's your business partner. Like don't talk about her like that. Which I'm fine, and, you know, like, I'm, I'm fine that you shared that with, with us. Um, mm-hmm. Also, another great example or like an ex- a continuation of this, you, you gotta stop holding hands. <laughs> yeah. And don't get holding me wrong, hands. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. against physical intimacy, especially with, with friends, but like Sam said, we didn't have, you didn't have the clean, hard break, even though you guys stopped sleeping together and there, I'm sure there was like a time of great, painful transition, but... It's like, you wrote in your letter, um, all the crazy emotions have settled. And I wrote, have they? (laughs) (laughs) Have they settled? Does your heart still flutter when you lean up against each other in that pig stall? Then they haven't Mm -hmm. settled. Like, we need to start putting up emotional and physical boundaries so that those moments aren't those heart fluttering moments anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, when she comes outside in a beautiful sundress, it's like, yeah, she's pretty. So are the sunflowers. So is the sunset, you know, got a mm-hmm. sun theme going on here. But, you know, like, <laughs> stop categorizing her attractiveness as something the in, in a way that is more special than categorizing, like, a pretty s- sky. I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. I'm obviously not a professional. Continue, Sam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think that that's that's here is exactly right, that you need to you need to categorize her in a way that feels emotionally off limits, right? And, you know, instead of categorizing her as your hot business partner, can you categorize (laughs) her as your sister or something that's something where you're going to be able to put up a mental block to be like, this is the line of appropriate and inappropriate behavior with this person, right? Mm -hmm. We have created a culture of lots of touching, lots of emotional intimacy, We need to change that culture into something that's going to be much more professional, much more emotionally detached, sustainable, right? And more sustainable. Um, And I want you I want you to start dating other people.
1: (laughs) I do, too. Oh, my God.
0: And I want that person to be me. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I want you to start dating other people because I need you. I need you to spend less emotional time with this person. Yeah. Like, I I yep. really need you to do that. I need you to have other friends besides her that you spend a lot of time with. I need yes. you to go hang out with your family more often. I need you to get away. I need you to not be finding your only emotional support in your life from this person who I'm going to say it is a toxic place for you to be putting a lot of emotional time right now and not yes, toxic in not like a way that she's super ab-
1: safe to me.
0: No, maybe unsafe is really the place is the word that I should say. And you know, I'm yeah. no t no shade to her, right? Like we're all people trying to figure out our lives and it's clear that she, she doesn't want to be with you and she's made that clear. And I appreciate that. And you're putting a lot of emotional energy in a place where it's not sustainable, where there's no room for growth, where there's, only going to be continued heartache and so I need you I need you to distance yourself from her as your sole source of emotional support and joy I need you to find that in other places
1: yeah I totally agree and there's opportunity it sounds like you guys have talked about this a lot but I do think there's an opportunity for you to say um hey no longer hot business partners slash now my sister <laughs> um <laughs> I'm starting to think about the long-term ramifications of our relationship and the the dynamic that has been forged post-relationship and I'm and I'm trying to imagine I'm trying to create space in my mind and in my life for the life that we you and I both deserve and right now there's no space for us to have future partners without conflict. There's no space for us to, you know, like for me, I'm holding too much space for you because I'm like holding my breath every time you're around. Um, And I feel like it's, you know, it's a complicated situation so much so that I can't even imagine dating someone else. And for her, um, I mean, the same thing, I don't know how she would feel about bringing a new partner around. Um, I don't know what type of emotional support she's getting from you or like satisfaction she's getting from you, from having Mm -hmm. you as such an intimate business partner. Um, I feel like there's just, there's a great opportunity here for you to have like a very frank, loving conversation about new boundaries, new boundaries that we need to have. And this, let this be a great reminder to all of us is that we can always reinstate boundaries. We can always say, I need new Rules of engagement. These these rules of engagement, we we started because they made us feel good. We love each other. We love the work that we do. We feel close and intimate. But these these are not going to serve us in the long term. It's like it's like um, scaffolding versus a true foundation, right? Um, mm-hmm. We need to build a true foundation for what this business looks like long term. Um, and yeah, I, I echo Sam. I think you should start. Dating, even if it's like frivolously, don't let that like be part of the narrative. Like, oh my God, she's the only one for me. If like your first couple of dates don't work out, but just make space in your life for other people, other joys, um, because you can have it all right. You can have this great business partner and friend, this wonderful thriving business, this beautiful land and a loving relationship with someone else who understands, Right what the dynamic
0: is. Sure. Right. I like that. You think that you can have it all. I, I am not sold on that. Like, I wish that no, no, that were I'm true. Saying like,
1: I'm saying <laughs> like, if the real, if they, if they made this st- relationship, a, a sustainable one, not like as is, you can't go like holding hands with your business partner, who you are still secretly <laughs> in love with while dating somebody else. Like that's that, that new person is going to be like, uh, what the fuck <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> absolutely um yeah i mean i think in like an ideal world for sure if we could have this space for all of these things to be true at the at the same time or like have that work out um but again it, i'll say that when i finally was able to put enough actual yeah. physical distance between me and my ex first of all i felt liberated in a yes. way that i didn't anticipate feeling because all I could imagine was how how it was impossible for us to not be together, right? To not be our each, other, each other's emotional crutch. And it allowed me to spend a lot more time figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be and what my joys and what my passions were mm-hmm. um, in a way that was really helpful for me. And so I know that you've like been in some long-term relationships with people and that, you know you're in this new situation that's that's for sure a pickle Um, but I just want to create space for the fact that like the sustainability of this is not as great as you think it is
1: (laughs) well it breaks my heart to read the sentence it's like well I've been really blessed and if it's not if I don't get a romantic relationship then that's okay and I'm like well wait a minute (laughs) you Mm -hmm. you know (gasps) Not that yeah, I don't want not you... to prioritize romance over other things, but the, the limitations that you're setting on yourself because of this, I'll say it unhealthy dynamic in your workplace mm-hmm. that yep. hurts me I, and I and I and I want more for you.
0: Yeah, I think that that's it is that like I didn't recognize how limited I was making myself in my relationship when i was living with my ex i didn't i didn't even see that there was a whole world of possibility out there for me that didn't involve constant emotional work in a way that that didn't serve me well that that was yeah. unsafe for me and obviously we have different situations and it sounds like you and your your ex slash current business partner are like talking about it or figuring it out but it was really hard for me in that situation to see the limits I was placing on myself because I was so, I had so much emotional entanglement with this person and had so many feelings about them. And, and it was coming out of it and spending time out of it on my own really, really showed me how much I was giving up for this thing that wasn't actually really good for me. Right. Like how much I was willing to sacrifice by not dating, by, um, you know, not spending time with other people, um, by, you know, being his emotional support when he needed it. Right. That, that was eating up so much of me that I wasn't able to actually like live my full life. And so
1: that's it again,
0: I want you to figure this out for sure. And I don't want you to have to give up this farm and this beautiful life that you've created, but I also don't want you to limit yourself to, to what this is. Cause it's, it's yeah. great, but it, there are other things available for you and I want you to be making intentional and like autonomous decisions about what you want to do and not feel like you're stuck in this thing. Or like, this is the only thing that you have available to you. Cause that's not true. There's a whole world out there for you.
1: I totally agree. I'm so glad you shared that. And that about wraps it up for me. (laughs) Because you did it so perfectly.
0: Perfect. All All right, right, farm boy. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> we love you thank you so much and we hope that this helps
0: absolutely thank you all right our next letter comes from Jackoff.
1: <laughs> oh my god i just noticed that <laughs> continue who
0: is writing from alvasio Hey, Sam and Sierra, y'all are dope and I love your dynamic and this podcast, but you already knew that since I'm writing into y'all, so I'll jump right in. I've been dating my current girlfriend, she, her, for a few months now, and I know that's not very long at face value, but we've been very serious from the jump. We're both currently in college at the same university, and we basically live together with her mostly spending her time at my place or us occasionally going over to hers, but we've spent maybe three nights total not being in the same bed since we started dating. We casually talk about our future all the time and even have started considering moving in together after we both graduate this time next year. She can be pretty anxious. And while I lean more towards avoidance, I've actually learned a lot from this podcast about how to tackle our problems more head on and speak truth mm. to her anxiety by expressing how I feel rather than trying to deny her feelings with facts, with the facts of the situation. Sam, your advice on that episode somewhere in the 130s about mistakenly mm-hmm. th- talking in facts when people are coming to you with feelings seriously changed the way I look at things. But Aww. that's besides the point. Lol. As a result, our fights are often brief and we're both really cultivating a good true love that has been an emotional medicine for both of our less than ideal pasts. But now, of course, the problem. It's not a huge thing. I might... It might even work as a check-in topic, but that's up to y'all. But I just got approved to come in and give samples to potentially get approved as a sperm donor. Of course, it's an involved process, and it's not as simple as me filling out an application and being good to go. There'll be testing of my samples, and if those get the green light, I'll have to do a whole physical and psychological evaluation, et cetera, et cetera. But my girlfriend is very strongly against me becoming a donor should I get approved. I've been able to sideline the conversation a couple of times by saying that I still don't know if I'll be approved and there's no harm in going through the process, but if I get approved, what then? In our conversations, I've mentioned how I could stay anonymous, the donations would pay me very well, and of course, whoever would receive my donation would be able to take care of the child they would make with it, not to mention it could help couples who are unable to conceive. Her stance is that it's weird for her to fathom my seed just going out to some random place and me having a kid that the two of us don't know about. She also says that if we stay together down the line, she wouldn't want my first kids to have been with someone other than her. I understand where she is coming from, and maybe it's just the cold calculating future scientist in me, but I just don't think of it as being that deep. However, I don't want to just steamroll over her feelings and do what I want if she's so dead set against it. How do we resolve this? What could I say to her to make her more comfortable with that process? If the time comes and I want to do it and she doesn't, does it make me a bad partner to do it anyway? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Also, sorry, this letter is a little long, so feel free to par- paraphrase as you please. Sincerely, Jack Hoff.
1: I'm still laughing at that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jackie boy, thanks for writing in, for trusting us with this question. Obviously, this is a, a personal question for me too, as y'all know that um I am in a same-sex partnership that is attempting to start a family. Um, and yeah, I I, I want to hear Sam's thoughts first. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was initially going to like rail against your girlfriend's feelings <laughs> as, as I want to do. Um, you know, but I also want to have empathy for the fact that like this is something, this appears to be something that's very important to her and sort of the feelings that she's having about it are are legitimate but you know I, I just wanted to say that like I think that some of this obsession with like genetics and like oh you are the genetic father and therefore have some like accountability or some ownership or like the fact that like you're not going to be or her baby won't be your first baby um, is just troubling to me and I, and I don't want to like shame her for this but I just want us to all have like a conversation about some of the ways in which we talk about biology and genetics in a way that really undermines the reality that family can look different and that like our obsession with genetics and our obsession with like family lines and like all of that stuff is like deeply problematic. It's, it's patriarchal. Um, It's about sort of maintaining purity of genetics, right? Like that's really what, what it comes down to. And so just want to challenge all of us to, to, to look at some of the assumptions that we might be having or some of the reactions to things like this that we might be having and asking ourselves where did we learn this from what does it mean why is it important to us and and challenge ourselves to say like okay is this obsession with like genetics with biology really serving me is it serving our communities well is it like what is it about this is that that's happening and i i don't want to like shame anyone who's like it's really important for me to to have sort of a biological child or that the biological children that I have are only mine. Um, but I do want to push us to really challenge some of those things that are deeply ingrained in us that are, that come from places that are really harmful and that are also actively harmful to people like Sierra, right? Who can't conceive biologically on their own, right? Like who can't, right. who can't have children that are of the the biology of the two people that are in the relationship um, and that that this obsession with genetics and biology, frankly, undermines the validity of Sierra's relationship and the validity yeah. of Sierra's children. Honestly, if this is how we're prioritizing our understanding of what children mean.
1: Yes. Um, and I I thank you for that, um, Sam, because I do want to acknowledge that um, your girlfriend's feelings are her own and they're valid. Um, and she is responding to whatever triggers are within her. Um, And Mm -hmm. I also want to acknowledge, as I said earlier, that this is, you know, this is personal to us, to me. Um, And, and this is going to be one of those times in which our answer is going to be deeply skewed by (laughs) our personal feelings. You know, like we try to be well-rounded and I'm going to do my best. Um, (laughs) You know what, you know what it is that I'm stuttering over is that like, we try to really focus on the question and I think the question is like how do I deal with this and what I want to answer is why I disagree with your girlfriend <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean so I'm I am I do want to share those feelings because I think that they they were they're teachable they remind us um of some inner things as you were talking about like how to hold ourselves accountable to those thoughts but I also want to say, say too, like,
0: like well I would also say too like it's not just about trying to talk to your girlfriend too like i'm sure that we also have listeners who are having a response to this right who are having a reaction to this and i think it's important for us to practice what we preach and talk about the ways in which like our assumptions about the world can actively harm people right (laughs)
1: yes totally um so if your girlfriend wrote into this letter and we don't always indulge this but if she did this is what i would say is that um I would echo Sam's idea about the obsession of biology and how it's almost like that retroactive jealousy to imagine that your partner's first child wouldn't be with yours like that. There's Mm. this weird purity going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, A weird sort of like wanting your partner to not have a history. Um, But also Mm -hmm. it's, 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 The people who are going to benefit from a sperm donor, um, have gone through crazy shit (laughs) to get, (laughs) to get to where they are in that moment. Right. It's not just, um, you know, I'm getting emotional now, but I'm not even thinking about my own experience. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about the people that I've read about when I followed these fucking fertility blogs and things like that. You know, people who have, uh, given birth to still to stillbirth babies you know heterosexual couples who who have had seven miscarriages you know what i mean um single women who who their lifelong goal was to be a parent or one of their huge life goals is to be a parent and they just haven't met the right person or their spouse died or their spouse was abusive Mm. and they and they stayed with them quote unquote too long and now they need to do this by themselves you know Mm-hmm. Um, or same-sex couples uh, people like me who um who who <laughs> don't have access to the right genetic code to produce a child in my current partnership um to to think that so there's that number one like there people are it's not it's not just helping people make a baby. I, I think I just want to add to that that the that the extent of fertility and infertility stories it's it's way bigger than than you first imagine. It was way bigger than when I I ever imagined starting this journey. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Not only that, but it's it's expensive. Um. It's laborious. You know, and people do all of that. They spend a bunch of money. You know, like they go through you know, thousands of uh, procedures and shots and, and losses all to get that baby, you know, to get that child. Mm-hmm. And I think that to assume that in the future, my child is going to show up at your doorstep at 18, um, seeking an obtrusive, uh, involvement in your life. um, is to it just to me it undermines the scope of what families can look like, you know what i mean mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i there's a deep insecurity that is being touched on there when you're afraid of like the anonymity you know like um if that offspring could come and find um the donor you know i I think that it's it's short sighted to assume that they would show up and want that donor to be a parent because that child already has a parent or two or Mm -hmm. more, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, I think that's, I guess all I want to touch on is that like, you know, to just think of, take a moment to think about all the things that led the people to, you know, straight couples who have, um, diminished ovarian reserves or no sperm mobility or, um, a history of ectopic pregnancies like I have. And, you know, like they, all of these things, um, whatever, I'm getting a little verklempt, but um, I would invite people like Sam said to not only acknowledge like where our discomfort comes from and start to like think differently, but also just to open your heart with compassion, like, and to try to let go of this weird discomfort we have with, with biology and um, paternity and mm-hmm. um, lineage. You know, it's like, you know, families look different, um, everywhere. Families can look different all the time. We have, I mean, happy motherfucking coming up on pride people, you know, chosen families, um, queer folks who, who adopt children, who, you know, whatever, I'm getting uh, lost in my thoughts, but just families look different all the time. Um, and I think, I think we're right to push back on this just just, just just to hopefully expand people's perspective on it. And guess what? If you couldn't do it, that's okay. It doesn't mean someone else can't. Um, and to yeah. this girlfriend and to, and to you, Jack, like, if your girlfriend doesn't have the capacity, doesn't feel like she can open her heart to this experience, right, because of whatever, that do, to me, that doesn't mean you can't. Because... Um, also, this letter for me comes down to bodily autonomy. Um, mm-hmm. We we talk a, a lot about like a woman's right to choose and a woman's um, autonomy over her body. And I think that extends to men's reproductive rights as well and their uh, choices when it comes to what to do with their, you know, they call them deposits in the sperm bank world. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, um, I just want to add also that I think our sort of obsession with which children are our children is an attempt to alleviate ourselves of the responsibility for like all of the children, right? Like it's, it's so much easier to say like, well, that one's mine. And so therefore I have to care about it, but I don't have to care about those other ones because they're not quote unquote mine. Right. And that again, just leads us into this, this perpetual sort of focus on individualism as opposed to like the collective responsibility that we all have to every child right like what is the importance of it if it's mine or someone else's like why am i still okay with the fact that you know there are situations that are happening with that child right like there's it's just one of those things like this it's so it's one of those things for me that when we started having this conversation i was like look at all of the ways in which (laughs) these these really toxic things that we've been taught about about Paternity about lineage are like coming up over and over again and and I just think it's really important for us to like really normalize the idea that like we all have collective responsibility for for all of the children right, right? like right. and it, and this obsession with whose mind is actually perpetuating this like individualism that allows us to to turn away when when children are being treated really poorly right. by institutions that we that we create
1: right and that is not uh, that is not to say that this child's going to show up on your doorstep and like ask for all your money and your partner's attention because i reading some forums forums online that's like their big fear a lot of people wrote like well i'm private and we have our own children and i don't want that i want him to be a parent to our daughters or whatever um and i feel like that's just such a broad limited leap, you know, to make, and I want to share really quickly, someone I know in my personal circle, um, is a, is a donor, um, is, is a, I forget the term, like a donor born, I think is how they say it as a Mm. donor born child. And he actually got to connect with his donor, his donor, um, because, Mm. uh, it was like open after 18 years. Um, and it, it wasn't, he didn't go looking for that donor in like a, I need a father way. He went right. because it was an opportunity to learn more about himself and his origins. And you know what? He's He was like, it's cool. It was cool. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was really cool to, you know, meet these people, uh, to, to meet this person. Um, and he said the coolest thing was he got connected with... Um, uh, donor sibling matches Um, and there were like a couple Uh, there was one in his area and so he got to be like he got to like meet and hang out with this person and again that is not I, I, I like the manif- I like the queer mantra of like or the queer affirmation of like that uh, a family looks like the way you want it to look like you know like that mm-hmm. we there's so many times in queer history that we've chosen our family. Um, then it doesn't have to look like the cookie cutter that we picture it. But also he said that it was just cool to meet that extension of his life, but it didn't, it didn't change his understanding of his family who raised him, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's obviously this is like a very (laughs) yeah (laughs) topic for both me and Sierra. Um, Because I think, you know, as queer people, this, the legitimacy legitimacy of our families is questioned by these types of conversations. And that's, and I think that that's really, really frustrating and, and also deeply hurtful, right? Like it, it hurts to, again, over and over throughout our lives, be faced with things in which we are called out or delegitimized for who we are. And, and this is an example of it, which like, again... I don't want to like make your, your girlfriend feel bad or say that she's a bad person, but I do want to have these types of conversations and sort of the implications of some of these ways of thinking.
1: Yeah. And I just thought of something too, Jack, that I want to say, and again, it's just me admitting something terrible about myself. I know (laughs) that there is a reality that if my partner at what, 20, 21, however old you all are said that he was going to do this. I know that there is a part of me somewhere in the past that may very likely have a very similar reaction because it, it makes us, it triggers our understandings about the world. It makes, you know, it it makes us think about intimacy differently, uh, family lineage, biology. It makes us think about, I don't know, like uh, some, again, some of the forums I read was like other people, him having other people's children, you know, like it really triggers us in a way. Um, So. I just want to say that for accountability, is that like if anybody out there is struggling with these feelings, like I get it. Um, But also thinking about the retroactive jealousy, thinking about the abundance and compassion that Sam touched on earlier, um, that this can be a choice that benefits the world that contributes to and legitimizes alternative queer um, you know, infertile couples out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also doesn't impact the closeness, the intimacy, um, the importance, um, the autonomy of your own relationship, right? Like that it, that it is in a way a lot you know, like donating blood, it it helps people in a medical condition or medical circumstance achieve their medical goals and wellness, right? For sure. If we dropped our obsession with paternity and our obsession with uh, biological, you know, I don't know, p- pureness is the vibe mm-hmm. I get from all this. It's fucking really, sure. it weirds me out. Um uh then we can see that this is just a really great uh gift that is that just contributes to the world.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Just a reminder too that I'm not allowed to give blood. Anyway.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Fuck that.
0: <laughs> uh. Well, uh, well,
1: and any—I guess any last <laughs> passing. um, I'm glad you said that. Any last passing things to Jack? Because I feel like we spent a lot of time on the issue and and less time dealing with the actual questions of like how to navigate this. How would you navigate sure. this, Sam?
0: So yeah, I would I would talk to my my girlfriend and and listen and say I can understand all of those things and I respect that this is something that might be a deal breaker for you or might be weird for you, um, but I also have autonomy over my own body and I am going to make decisions about how I want to to live it and what I want to do with it. Um, and it's okay if this is like the deal breaker, right? Like it's okay for you. You're not a bad person. If you're like, I want to do this and I'm going to do this because it's my body. And if she doesn't yeah. want to accept that, that that's fine in the same way that, you know, <laughs> people get to make choices about their own bodies and like, nobody gets to say anything about it. You can take her concerns into consideration. Absolutely. And if at the end of the day you decide like, I would rather be with this person than exercise this autonomy. That's also fine, right? Like we can make those right. informed choices, but it's also okay for you to say like, I'm not interested in having this conversation anymore.
1: Yeah, this is <laughs> right? what like, I'm, well, this is, this is this what is I've what decided I about my own body. For X, exactly. Y, and Z reasons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yep. And you can be okay with that or you can't be okay with that, but it's my it's my choice to make. That's, that's an okay set thing to say.
1: I think that's perfect. Um, Jack, I love you. I think you're doing a great thing. I also think you're doing like a very financially smart thing. I've heard it pays really well. It should considering how much I've paid for it. (laughs) 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 Um, but, uh, you know, I, in all sincerity, I, um, you're making a great choice. I mean, I think that this is like a financially smart choice for you. Um, and it's a really great, um, gift that you're giving to, a lot of people out there. Um, Absolutely. If you don't, uh, I, echoing Sam's sentiments, if you if you don't end up following through with this, that's okay. I don't think you're a bad person. Um, I think every life is a bunch of. Uh, it's all about timing and and perspective. So uh, yeah, trail off. <laughs> awesome.
0: All right, Jack. Thank you so we much love for writing. You. Thank all you. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we're going to send you home with.
1: All right. It's a documentary that's actually airing Sunday night um, before this episode airs. So I have not seen it yet. But uh, for this blind date, I'm inviting us. I'm inviting you to watch this documentary with me. Um, It is called the Tulsa Burning, the 1921 Race Massacre. And um, I'm sure uh many of you have heard either reporting or or whatnot on there is a hundred year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre um the 31st and June 1st, so the day this episode airs. And um this was a massacre that happened um in 1921, um in which a white mob um destroyed um a district that it was considered like was called um, Black Wall Street because it had so many thriving Black businesses and a a thriving Black community. Um, And over 300 people were killed, over 1,000 people were injured, um, and businesses were burned to the ground. um, And ultimately, the city went on to sort of cover this up and have yet to pay any reparations or to... um, Uh, to truly repair the um, historical ever and also present damage that this um, massacre occurred uh, or massacre incurred. Um, I'm super excited to watch this documentary because it's from... um the Stanley Nelson has directed it and he also directed, uh, freedom writers, which is another really amazing documentary, um, about the civil rights, uh, movement and the freedom writers during that time. So it's airing, um, this weekend, uh, you can watch it now on the history channel, I believe for free online. Like that's how I'm planning to watch it. Um, because oh, cool. I don't have co- cable. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I just think it's, imp- uh, I'm really excited to watch this. I know the basics of the massacre. Um, but I think a big goal of this 100 year anniversary is to start to have more national conversations about, um, you know, how do you repair and how do you have, uh, create reparations for the, Mm the, 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 The trauma and the wealth that was stolen and um, really just like, how do we as a nation start to be accountable for um, the racial violence and oppression that we have obviously um, are still seeing unfold in everyday life today? So uh, Mm -hmm. this is my blind date for you. It's an invitation to watch this documentary with me. It's called Tulsa Burning the 1921 Race Massacres. You can check it out on the History Channel. Um, I'm looking at history.com right now if you Google it.
0: Perfect. I can't wait to watch. (laughs) Yeah, me too. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod.
1: You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at com.
0: Please remember to hit that follow button so that you will get an episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's Patreon.com slash this literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
1: Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our amazing friends, Spencer Worth Davis. And remember, you have come here to this world, to this body, to find happiness, but you have also come here to learn and to give and to grow your heart's capacity of understanding. Lean into discomfort. Check yourself when you find yourself shying away from something new. We all have something to learn, and we can always be better community members to those around us. And if all else fails,
0: just break up.